Well, good morning, church family. How are you? Hey, how beautiful was that? Uh, how gorgeous are their names? Well, I'm Greg with an I, G-R-E-I-G, just so that you get that right, and I have no idea what it means, but uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty powerful uh, that your daughters have names of such significance. And we're continuing our journey this morning in uh, Isaiah chapter 9 as he uh, prophesies 700 years in advance that Jesus would come and he declares names over Jesus and we're looking at those names and Isaiah 9 6 says this to us for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace now we're going to look this morning. Ben walked us and, 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 and opened up for us wonderful counsellor last week and this morning we're going to look at Mighty God. And I'm going to invite us to kind of look at Mighty God from a couple of different ways of looking at it. Firstly, why mighty? Why would we call God mighty? And I'm going to look at four different aspects that might be the reasons why we would give this name to Jesus, Mighty God. But then I'm also going to look at the implications to us of being people who follow a mighty God. So if we declare him to be mighty, and we are, we are not declaring somebody or something that we, you know, we're not cheering from the stands here. We declare him mighty and we follow him. So I'm going to have us look at what are the implications of being followers of a mighty God. You with me? Now, I'm already going to open up more than I can, you know, kind of unpack with you today. So hopefully you're going to kind of take some of the things that I throw out there and spend some time with God this week in your rhythm of contemplation with him to unpack it further. But firstly, when I think of mighty God, when I think of that title, the first thing that comes to my mind is deeds. That Jesus does mighty deeds, then that is why we call him mighty it's because of his actions, his behaviour, the way he bees is the reason why we call him mighty. So, let's look at his actions. He heals the body and heals diseases. Amen. We see throughout scripture that leprosy, blindness, fever, disfigured hands, the lame walk. When we look at his actions, we declare mighty God. We see that he resurrects people from the dead. A nameless son on the way to be buried is resurrected from the casket to a, to a mother in grief. Or Lazarus walks out of the grave. We look at his actions and we declare, mighty God. Deliverance, we see that spirits go packing and they obey him. Wow, mighty God. We see also in the physical realm as he takes control over storms, walks on water, turns water into wine. We look at his actions in the way that he can manipulate the physical realm and we declare mighty God. We look at who he spent his time with as well. The way that he turned the cultural norm on its head and he's ate and partied and celebrated with sinners of the day. And we look at how he embraced and the, and the openness and the warmth of his embrace and who he embraced and we say, mighty God. Amen. And then we look at his teaching, how it was powerful, how it was new revelation of a new way of life, a new way of being. It brought freedom and we say, wow, mighty God. And then we also look at his death and his resurrection. Not just that he died and that he rose, but what that means to us. 
And as a church together with our brother up the back, we declare, Amen. <laughs> Mighty God, right? Mighty God. Why would we give him that name? Why would we declare that, ascribe that to him? Because of the incredible things he does. He's a mighty God. But secondly, I want to say, God is also mighty not just because of his deeds, but because of his way of being, of his, if I can use this term, ontology, his nature of his being. He is a mighty God by nature. You see, Jesus is mighty not only because he loves, but that he is love. I'm loving you, brother. Where have you been all my life? I can preach all morning. Somebody just said, amen, no. You see, Jesus is not just mighty because of his acts. He's mighty because of his being, right? He's mighty because he is peace and then he acts peacefully. He's mighty because he's full of joy and joy overflows. He's mighty because he is good by nature and that goodness overflows. He is mighty because he is kind, and his kindness overflows in the way of his being. He is mighty because the truth of his being is that he is merciful towards us, and then the truth of his being overflows in the way of his being, and we see that he is merciful towards us. He is creative, he is powerful, he is just, he is faithful. The list goes on. You could add to it, couldn't you? But God is not just mighty because of his actions. Jesus is mighty because of his being. Are, are you following me there? Thank, brother. And I want to say to you the third reason why we would ascribe to God mightiness is because he is mighty in his wholeness. And what I mean by that is... That the truth of his being, the who he is, is always consistently and congruent with the way of his being. So the way he acts is in alignment, is congruent with the who he is. His wholeness. We serve a mighty God because he is whole. The who he is is always completely expressed in the way of his being. He never acts outside of his ontological being. Now, this has some implications for us, so I just want us to stop and kind of consider for two secs. You see, it's important that we understand the mightiness of God's ontology, the mightiness of his being, because often I find that Jesus' followers ascribe actions to God that are not congruent with the truth of his being. They have God responsible for doing and acting in ways that are not loving, that are not kind, that are not good. Now, they usually ascribe some sort, kind of higher good to his actions or they somehow believe that they have the power to make Jesus behave in a way that is contrary to the truth of his being. But I want us to see this morning that part of God's mightiness is in his wholeness, that he will never act contrary to the way of his being. Amen. Every action of Jesus flows out of the truth of who he is. And we need to understand the ontology of God, the truth of his being, so that when we start to go, God did this, we can go, well, hang on a minute. No, he didn't, because it's not congruent with the truth of his being. Because our God is mighty in his holders. Every action of Jesus flows from the truth of his being. Every mighty deed is soaked in the truth of his being. He heals people. A mighty deed. But it doesn't flow out of a need for fame. It flows out of his being of love. Are you with me? <laughs> the action flows from his being. 
So he can never ascribe an action to God that is not congruent with the being of God because he is mighty in his wholeness. So when we say or believe things, friends, like this, like God doesn't love me, God doesn't forgive me, God's not for me, when we hear people ascribe those actions to God, we can say, hmm, not possible. Not possible. God never acts contrary to his being. Powerful, right? If we understand the ontology, the truth of his being, then we will never ascribe ways, actions of his being that are incongruent because we know our God is mighty in wholeness. Amen. <laughs> I could say so much more here, but I need to jump ahead. So, what have we said? God is mighty because of his actions. God is mighty because of his ontology, his being. And God is mighty because he is completely whole. Now let's look at the implications of his mightiness in terms of us being followers, disciples of a mighty God. But before we do, I want to show you a video. Bit of a break from me. Who's seen that before? It's an oldie. Yeah. It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. Who got the 13 passes right? Who didn't get the 13 passes right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to the black bear. Now, I want to say something that at the outset is going to sound quite controversial, and then I want to pack it, unpack it a little bit together. You see, I think being a disciple a follower of a mighty God can be a curse or it can be a blessing. That's the controversial bit. So let's look firstly at following a mighty God in what I would call a, a twisted discipleship model that ends up being a follower of a mighty God, ends up being a burden, a curse, if you will. Friends, if our discipleship model of following a mighty God... Now, remember, we're following a mighty God, right? A mighty God. If our discipleship model in how we follow in the footsteps of mightiness, if the lens that we see that through is the lens of the way that Jesus acts and the lens that we need to act the same as Jesus acts, if we see following Jesus through uh, uh, the poor, twisted lens of what would Jesus do and then go and have to try and do it, then I think it's a burden to follow a mighty God. Would you agree with me? 
Not yet. That's good. I haven't convinced you. You see, the lens of discipleship that says, I need to do what Jesus does, that forms it in a sense of, I need to imitate him, I need to look at what he does, I need to learn what he does, and then I need to go and do what he does. It's look at Jesus, learn how he behaves, and then do what he does. Do do his mightiness through me. Then I think this is a burden that we carry. I think it's quite crazy to think that we can look at a mighty God and then act according to a mighty God in our own strength and in our own way. You see, in this model, when we create this, what would Jesus do model of discipleship? Now go and do what Jesus, what mighty Jesus does. Now go and be mighty. When we create this model, then what ends up happening is we create a bunch of laws or rules to follow, if you will. If you will, we, we codify mighty Jesus' behaviour And then we say, now here's the code of behaviour. Here's what he's like. Now go and do that behaviour. It's kind of like, here are the laws, now be obedient. And in this model, when we fail, we think that we've missed the mark. We've missed the mark in the way we behave. I've not reached the standards set by mighty Jesus. I've not been able to live up to the standards of mighty Jesus. And sin is understood in this model of discipleship as a failure of behaviour. And when sin is seen as a fail to act or a failure to behave like mighty Jesus, then our discipleship model becomes more about behavioural modification. I've got to change the way I behave so that I am like mighty Jesus. And in this model, we have self-discipline as a means of behaving and we try to be like mighty Jesus. And in this model of discipleship, Reward and punishment seem to find their way into the motivation of being a disciple. And we start to think that kind of God loves us when we're able to follow him and God somehow is not that happy with us when we don't follow him as well as we should. And we think that when we miss the mark, kind of Jesus sends us to the room to kind of be punished because that's how we learnt as kids. When we miss the mark, we got punished. And inevitably, in this model of discipleship, of following mighty Jesus, shame and condemnation find their way in as we become ashamed of falling short of following mighty Jesus and always following shame as condemnation. And in this model, our failure sends us in shame away from Jesus in order to earn our place back at the table with Jesus. Does anybody kind of, does that ring kind of true in anybody's discipleship model? Uh, There's a few little heads nodding. You see, in this model of discipleship, we end up kind of wearing masks so nobody can kind of really see how bad we are. Or we point fingers in comparison at others so that our sin is somehow minimalised by their sin. You know, you think I'm bad, you ought to hang out with Tim, you know, it's that kind of (laughs) thing. And in this model, we corporately point our fingers at sin outside the church so that we feel better about ourselves. Friends, when you serve, when you follow, when you're a disciple of mighty, mighty Jesus... And your model of discipleship is this WWJD, do what Jesus does lens. Then I think it's a heavy burden to carry. And I don't think it's the way that mighty Jesus invites us to be followers. I say that and yet I realise I spent probably the first 15 years of my Christian life walking in that model. And most of the time 
I was exhausted from trying hard. And the rest of the time, I was giving up because I was just failing so badly. But friends, I invite you to see discipleship through another lens. And I invite you to see a reason why we inscribe mightiness to God under a fourth category, and then that become the lens of our discipleship. So let me give you the reason, then unpack the implications quickly. You see, fourthly, and I think this is just absolutely amazing, Jesus is mighty because he shares his mightiness. I mean, grab hold of this, friends. Jesus is mighty because he shares his mightiness. See, the discipleship lens is not WWJD behavioural modification. Discipleship is understanding that Jesus shares with you his ontological being, the nature of his being. He shares that with you and then he invites you to simply be you. Let's unpack it together. You see, the mightiness of God is seen in that he made you in his image and in his likeness, in his ontological being. He made you as he is ontologically. <laughs> Look at Genesis 1.26. Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. Or Genesis 5.1. This is the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them like himself. Friends, discipleship is understanding that the mighty God has made me and you mighty like him. Ontologically, the nature of our being is like his. And this is the truth of who I am. This is who I am. I am divine human ontologically. Are you, are you following me? Is this kind of blowing you away as well? Now, here is something that's important for us under, to understand. You can't change your ontology. You can't change the way you were created. You can't not be made in his image. You can only not live whole. By that I mean not live congruent with the truth of who you are in the way of your being. You see, discipleship following... Jesus, when understood through this lens, is simply becoming me, becoming the true me, becoming the whole me, becoming the man who knows he is love and walking, knows he is love because he is created in the way and likeness of God, and then being that man who is love in the way I be with my family, my friends, my, my church, my city, my being. In this model, I'm not trying to imitate Jesus. I'm not trying to be like someone I'm not. In this model, I realise and receive the revelation from God that his mightiness is shared with me. It's given to me. I was created in his mightiness. And it's not imitation anymore. It's just being me. So following Jesus starts with being aware of who we are. We must firstly remember who we are, who we were created to be. Our core, our deepest DNA is divine. It is God implanting himself in me, within us, right from the first moment of creation. And when you understand this reference point as the truest understanding of yourself, then you start to behave, you start to behave according to who you are. Amen. Are we grabbing hold of this? 
I've got some amen. I even got a thumbs up as well. In this model, you don't need laws to follow. It's not look, learn and do. It's being personally intimate, present to the one who you were made like, the mighty one who you were made like. And as you encounter his mightiness intimately, then you reflect his mightiness personally. Know me. I know me through being with him and then I be me when I'm with you. As Catherine of Genoa, she was an Italian Catholic saint and a mystic in the, in the 14th century. She was kind of admired for her work among the poor and the sick. She declared, when she received this revelation, she went running into the streets and declared this, my deepest me is God. Amen. Wow, friends. Is that, is that how you understand you? The deepest me is God. I mean, if this doesn't do your head in, then you're just not hearing it. The deepest you, the deepest you, the deepest person you are as you raise your daughters, love your wife, bring them up in the way of God, the deepest you is God. So be you to them. Understand the revelation, the ontology of our being, the who we are created in him right from the outset, and then be you. (laughs) Does my head in. Friends, the world tells us we need to make something of ourselves. Who's been trying to make something of their life, something of themselves? God tells us that we need to be who we already are. In this model of ontological discipleship, we've not codified following Jesus, we've personalised following him. I personally encounter his love and then I go and be that love. Reflecting, reflecting his love. It's from my experience that I am changed inside out. I'm not behaving my way to be like Jesus. I'm experiencing him and reflecting him. In this model of shared mightiness, sin's not missing the mark of some moral uh, uh, performance that we've codified. Sin's just simply not being me, not being aware of who I am and not being true to the self that I am. And when I, when I sit in this model, I don't look for self-discipline and behavioural modification as the way forward. Instead, in this model, I run into the arms of the one who I'm made like so I can experience him again in his fullness so that then I can be that experience of him. See, we must see that in this model of discipleship, it's through participatory knowledge not intellectual knowledge, that I've become a follower of mighty Jesus. Friends, what I'm discovering in my life, and let me land here, is when you get the I am right, then your behaviour, your morality, your discipleship and your following tends to finally take care of itself. You do things because they're true of who you are the truth of your being, not because you have to or you're afraid not to or you're trying to measure up to an imitation of someone you're not. You are simply being you. And I think this is the abundant life that God came to bring, a wholeness of the truth of being me, not some circumstantial, happy place, abundant life, but understanding who I was created to be and living out that fullness in a whole manner.
So when we're in this model, we don't point fingers at other people's behaviour. Instead, we just point them to the truth of their being. Are you with me? We don't go, Tim, you can't act like that, and I need you to change, and I need you to modify that behaviour. No, we say, Tim, this is who you are. Be that, and let the behaviour flow. Friends, I want to say to you, when we serve a mighty God, we need to know how to follow as disciples in the footsteps of a mighty God so that it's not a burden or a curse upon us, but it's a beautiful way of doing life with him and being myself through him. Have we got it? Go and hang out with him. Yeah, I'm glad you're going, no, that's done my head in, yeah. Go and hang out with him this week. Say, Jesus, talk to me more about the way you created me to be. Let me walk fuller into that. And parents in the room, my goodness, we could do a month on how do you raise your kids through an understanding of ontological being that God created them as mighty, now release them to be themselves. But let's get back to the black bear video. We cannot see what we are not told to look at or expect. We miss the black pair because we were told to count the passes. Friends, I would encourage you today, I want you to look at and see that part of the mightiness of God is that he shares his mightiness with you. I want you to look at and see and expect that following Jesus is being me. This is why Richard Rohr, in his book, Immortal Diamond, makes the comment, the job of religion is purely and simply one thing, to tell us and keep reminding us who we are. Friends, I hope this morning, as we've looked at mighty God, we've been able to see who we are as we follow him. Isaiah was looking forward. He could see a day 700 years in the future where mighty Jesus would come, where the son would be born, and he prophetically announced the names over him, that he would be a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting father and prince of peace. So this Christmas, as we celebrate God coming to be with us, I invite you to be grateful, to be praise-filled, to be understanding that he come to be, Jesus came to be with us to show us what God was like so that we would know what we are like and that he would make a way for us to become holy like us, like him, our true selves. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Let me pray for us, church. Jesus, when we look at the stories written of your life, we see mighty deeds and we say, mighty God. When we look at who you are, we see love and peace and patience and faithfulness and so many characteristics and we say, mighty God. When we realise that you are not just mighty in deed and mighty in being, but you are congruent, you are whole in your actions, we say, mighty God. And Jesus, we fall at our knees when we realise that you share your mightiness with us. Teach us how to understand fully who you made us to be 
and how to walk fully with you in that. We serve you, mighty Jesus. We declare you to be mighty today. Amen.